Good evening. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite persons tonight, who is the Holy Spirit. I've actually known the Holy Spirit longer than I've known my husband. Uh, and I've known Gene a long time. I know you can know that from looking at us, but it's just my honor and pleasure to be able to talk to you tonight about the Holy Spirit. I want us to begin in John chapter 14. I'm going to be reading from the King James Bible, verses 16 and 17. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus is about to be crucified, and he's preparing his disciples for a major change which is coming. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, and neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. This was a very pivotal moment in the plans and the purposes of God where redemption is concerned because the assignment that Jesus had as the Son of God in the flesh sent to the earth to redeem lost humanity was coming to an end where his assignment was concerned. Where we read in just a few short hours, he will be tried, he will be crucified. Three days later, he will be resurrected from the dead. And 50 days later, he will ascend into heaven where, or yeah, 50 days later, he will ascend into heaven where he will remain until his second coming. So this is, this is one of these places where there's going to be a divine gear shift. One of these uh, very major changes is coming. And uh, Jesus is announcing this transition. He said there is a change which is coming. And it was not a change of program. It was a change of persons. And he identifies the one who is coming as the another comforter. And when we hear and read that pronoun, another, it means one is coming who is of the same sort that I am. One is coming who is like me. One is coming that, that is, is almost identical to me, another comforter. So when Jesus announces this change of persons, we have to understand that this another who was coming well, was just as God as Jesus himself was God. And we can never view the Holy Spirit as some sort of lesser being, that, that Jesus is primary and the Holy Spirit is not so primary. We can never just embrace Jesus and deny the Holy Spirit because both Spirit and Son are of the same being of the same nature, both are God. 
and the Holy Spirit was being sent as God and another God. And we can never make the Holy Spirit some kind of junior God. Uh, our, our first thought about the Holy Spirit is he has come to us to be personal, very knowable. Uh, he, he's not just going to be this junior God. He's not going to be our 911 call when we have just trouble, and he will answer. He's not a feeling. He's not an idol that has nothing to say. He's not an occasional visitor. And the Holy Spirit is not optional. We, we can't decide, well, we want Jesus, but we do not want the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a person. Now, he is different. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's a person. He's very different from Jesus because Jesus came to us in a human form. Jesus was given a body. The body was formed in Mary's womb. But the Holy Spirit is coming as a person without a physical body. He, he's coming as a person that, that we'll not be able to see as Jesus was seen. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to say the world cannot see him and the world cannot know him, but he is being sent to us, those who follow God, to be known. And he is sent to be very personal uh, to us. So we have to deal with the Holy Spirit this way. He's God, and he wants to be known, and he wants to be heard. So I want us to understand when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a person. The Holy Spirit is not energy. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of power circuit that we plug into, and somehow he gives us some kind of uh, certain feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when the Holy Spirit is present, God is present. He just cannot be seen because he does not inhabit a physical body. And Jesus said that he has come to abide. He, he has not come to go somewhere else. To uh, Sometimes he's present, sometimes he's not. The Holy Spirit has come to abide. And he has a residence. And we really do have to adjust our thinking to this. He's going to live in us. My body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, sometimes I've, I've been in church all of my life. And here's the way we church people talk. Well, you should have been there tonight. The Holy Spirit showed up. Have you ever heard people say that? The Holy Spirit showed up. My answer to that is every time I'm in church, the Holy Spirit shows up. Praise God. Let's praise God. If you're in church tonight and the Holy Spirit's in you, the Holy Spirit's here. Let's make him welcome. Let's give him a hand clap. He came to church tonight. And how do I know that? I may not feel him. I may not see him. He may not give me a buzz tonight. But every time I'm here sitting on the front row, the Holy Spirit is in the building because I'm in the building. And we have to begin to think about the Holy Spirit this way. Now, this brings us to our second thought, 
And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul wrote, now concerning spiritual gifts, and I want you to look at the yellow word at the bottom. That is the Greek word that is translated spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts, uh, that is not a good translation. The Greek word is pneumatikos, and it means the movings and the workings of the Holy Spirit. So what that literally says is now concerning the moving and the workings of the Holy Spirit, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto dumb idols. Now God, through the scriptures, has addressed the major problem the Holy Spirit has. You would think the Holy Spirit would just be able to come and just to do what he wants to do. Because he is God. God is here. You would think he could just do whatever he wants to do. But Paul said there is a major problem about the movings and the workings of the Holy Spirit. And it is the ignorance of God's people concerning him. The ignorance of God's people concerning the way he moves and the way he, he works. So the ignorance of God's people is identified by Paul as the Holy Spirit wants to move and work, but when there is ignorance, he is kind of reduced to the same level as what the uh, King James calls a dumb idol, which is a voiceless idol. Now think about idols. What idols are, are these beings that men form with their own hands. Uh, they make them in the image that they want them to be in, and then they worship these idols who have no voice, who have no input into lives. They just become religious icons. And when we are ignorant of the Holy Spirit, we have reduced him to nothing more than a religious icon. And if we are not careful, and I want you to hear this, this is very true, we will take the third person of the Godhead and we will try to form him into our own preferences, our own image of him. And he's not allowed to move and work as the third person uh, of the Godhead. And I personally know this to be true. I've been in church since I was a baby. I have been a churchgoer for my 83 years. And I know that the Holy Spirit can be hindered. The Holy Spirit can be shaped according to our preferences. The Holy Spirit can be limited until he becomes no more than a religious icon we sing to on Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, but he has no moving abilities among us. So just think about churches today. There's the Catholic Holy Spirit. There's the Baptist Holy Spirit. There's the Methodist Holy Spirit. The Presbyterian Holy Spirit. The Pentecostal Holy Spirit. So that when you try to get churches together and everybody brings their religious thoughts about the Holy Spirit, it's hard to have church. 
because the Catholics want him to be one way and the Methodists want him to be one way and the Pentecostals think if it's loud and noisy, he didn't show up. And what we need is to release the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. And when we are ignorant of the Holy Spirit, that, that is not going to happen. So we have to come to this knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is and why he's here, why he lives in me, why God has chosen this for the Holy Spirit. Now, let, let's go to our thought about the mission of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is sent to us and answered to the prayers of Jesus. He said, I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to send you another comforter. So the Holy Spirit is here on a divine mission. Just as Jesus was here on a divine mission, Jesus had to be crucified, he had to be resurrected, he had to preach the gospel of the good news, and Jesus fulfilled his divine mission, and he returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit on his divine mission. And we live in this age of grace, and the administration of the age of grace has been turned over to the person of the Holy Spirit. And he has two assignments. His first assignment is to finish the redemptive plan of God. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he had finished his assignment. But the redemptive plan of God is not yet finished. There is yet to be a kingdom established in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit has to move the program forward to bring us to, to the finish line. But secondly, the Holy Spirit is to be personal to each one of us. Because where we Christians are concerned, he is going to take each one of us and his assignment with us is to bring us to a place where we are the body of Christ in the earth. That we're not religious organizations, we are the living body of Christ in the earth. And that is the personal assignment of the Holy Spirit to each one of you in the room. The Holy Spirit has a personal assignment. And this is why he came to live in you. And if I have to give this message a title tonight, I would call it the Holy Spirit and you. Because this is, this is where I want us to go. If there's one thing that I have endeavored to do in my 68 years of being a Christian, it is to know the Holy Spirit, and to be very personal with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has been given three assignments where you are concerned. The first one is in John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you another comforter. And the word for this uh, is translated helper, which is a very weak, weak word for what is meant. The Greek word is the word paraclete, and 
uh, paraclete is, is a word that is very strong. And when we talk about the comforter, it, it doesn't mean what you and I think of comforting someone. When we say the helper, it goes far beyond the Holy Spirit just being the 911 call, helping us when we need help, taking us through the rough spots. No, the Holy Spirit will do that, but the Holy Spirit is sent to do this one assignment with each of us. And that is his assignment is to produce in us the life that only he can produce. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit is to produce a life in you that only he can produce. You're not going to get there without the Holy Spirit. It demands the Holy Spirit. Now, I think Christianity has been cheapened. I think Christianity sometimes is made out to kind of be uh, this level of living that's better than other people live. But Christianity is supernatural. Uh, superna supernatural in a, a miraculous, marvelous way. And the standard of Christianity is so high that we're not going to get there without the Holy Spirit working in us, helping us to be Christian. You're not going to get there in your own strength. You're not going to get there with a list. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit to reach the standard of Christianity. You can be saved, born again, but dear people, after you're born again, you have to live like Christians. You can't get born again and then do as you please as sinners would do. The Holy Spirit has come to produce this supernatural, miraculous life in us that is called Christianity. The Bible has a word for it, spirit-filled. If people ask you what kind of person you are, spirit-filled. That's who we are. Uh, the truth is, everybody in the room is full of something. <laughs> Hopefully, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we'll go to lunch and find out what you're full of. <laughs> Watch Facebook, and you'll find out what people are full of. Because we have been made uh, to, to be filled. And, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When you just try to become a better person, you're not going to get there. When you just sort of put the Holy Spirit over here, the 911 call, and you run him in and out of your life when you need him, you're not going to get there. Because the Bible says that ultimately we Christians are to be light in darkness. And you know what that means to me? That means that when I walk in Walmart as an 83-year-old woman, there's something about me that is supernatural, something that shines so that even people who don't know that I'm a Christian uh, are drawn. I think there's something odd about that girl there. She's not like most people in the room. This light that, that is in darkness. Have, have you ever read 1 Corinthians 13? 
1 Corinthians 13 talked to us about the high standard God wants every one of us to go to, and that is to love as God loves. Now, I'm still working on that one. 68 years, I'm still working on it. Not always easy. But Paul, Paul wrote it this way. He said, even though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have this divine love of God, I'm nothing more than a noisy, clanging cymbal. He, he said, even though uh, I, I can move mountains with my faith and prophesy, I, I, I just become nothing if I don't have love. He said, even though I, I give away everything I have, I gain nothing if I don't have love. He said, I give my body to be burned and it profits me nothing if I don't have love. Now, that's the standard. And you're not going to get there without the Holy Spirit. You're just not going to get there. So when the Bible says he's a comforter, it means you need help getting there. And thank God he's come to live in you, and he'll take you the distance if you'll let him take you the distance. The assignment of the Holy Spirit, one called alongside to help us live this Christian life that we are to live. His second assignment, our next assignment that the Holy Spirit has been given, he's the teacher of all things. John 14, 26, he shall teach you all things and he shall bring all things to your remembrance. Now I want us to, I want us to pause here and hear this and take it very seriously. Because the greatest help the Holy Spirit is going to give any of us is to teach us. And, and the second assignment of the Holy Spirit, he first is going to help us come to this high standard. And we're not going to get there without teaching, which comes from the Holy Spirit. And yes, saved people need to be taught. All saved people that need to be taught, raise your hands. That's all of us. Saved people must be taught. The Bible teaches us the lack of knowledge can destroy us. To put that in a way helps you understand it. What you do not know can destroy you. And so we have to tap in to the Holy Spirit as the teacher. Now, I want you to, I want you to think about teaching. You know, teaching is just day in, day out. Here a little, there a little. Think about your years in school and, and teachers. Our great error with the Holy Spirit is we think he has been sent to perform. We, we like to see him perform. Uh, we think he has been sent to entertain us so that we really enjoyed the service tonight. We think he has been sent to take dead church services and make them better. No, he's been sent to teach us. And his teaching is going to take us to a, a level that no other being can take us to. He's going to touch all things. He's teaching with the Holy Spirit is going to be revelation. 
We'll read another scripture in a moment where he says, I'll show you things to come. Uh, the Holy Spirit, who is a teacher. If I have anything to say about the Holy Spirit and my relationship with him, it is that he has been my teacher. People say to me sometimes, oh, you're such a, a wise woman. How do you think I got that way? The Holy Spirit. Uh, ask Jean. I wasn't always that way. <laughs> uh, I was not always that way. The Holy Spirit as uh, the teacher. And he goes beyond normal. He takes us where education cannot take us. He takes us where psychology cannot take us. He teaches us all things. Now, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit when I was 30 years old. I had been brought up in a Methodist church, and the Holy Spirit was a creed. We talked about the Holy Spirit every Sunday in the Apostles' Creed. We confessed that we believed in him. At the end of the service, our pastor would raise his hands and release us with the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was completely unknown to me. When I was born again, I went to the altar of the Methodist Church because I had an urge. I had no knowledge it was the Holy Spirit. I kind of felt the urge might be God. My Methodist pastor didn't know what to do with me because we didn't know about born again. I didn't even know I needed to be born again. Born again was not in my vocabulary. And the Holy Spirit, just uh, the pastor sent me back, didn't pray for me, uh, just kind of dismissed me at the altar. And that Sunday afternoon, the Holy Spirit, this urge, this thought in my mind that I did not do what I was supposed to do, as a 15-year-old little girl, I raised my hands and gave my life to God. I didn't know I needed to be born again. Born again wasn't in my vocabulary. That's how ignorant I was. But I was born again because I genuinely gave myself to God. For 15 years, I lived without teaching, stumbling along, trying to do the best I could, 15 years, and at age 30, was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And God knew where he was taking me, and God put me with teachers. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've sat at the feet of the best teachers that had ever been in the country. And I still remember when Ken Sumrall stood up in a conference. He had a big blackboard. We didn't have com computer and media in those days. And he drew three circles. And he said, I'm going to teach you about spirit, soul, and body. And he told us we are spirits, we live in bodies, and this soul is what has to be saved. The soul where the mind and the emotions are. And it was life-changing. It was life-changing. He said, you're going to have to work on your soul. I never knew I was spirit, soul, and body. I went to a conference in Mobile, Alabama, and Derek Prince stood up and taught us about demons and spiritual warfare. And he, he took the screen away from this invisible world of Satan and fallen angels and demonic spirits. 
And I sat for three days in that conference, and it was life-changing. And I went to church every week, and our pastor stood up and taught us. And dear people, if there's any part of the Holy Spirit that you need to plug into, he needs to be your teacher. Because in this world, which is perverted, we need to be taught. He's the teacher of all things. And you know, I, I, was, I am a graduate of high school. I'm a graduate of college. But you know, when people talk to me, what I say to them, I say, I'm God smart. <laughs> because I've had the best teacher, the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit teaches you, you're God smart. And you need to be God's spark. So his first assignment is the comforter. His second assignment, he's the teacher of all things. Thirdly, he's the spirit of truth. When he, John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now the word truth means the reality behind the appearance. So that, you know, we see things, but the reality is not what we see. The reality is not what we hear. The reality is not what we experience. There is the, the reality behind the screen. So when the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit comes to us as truth. The Holy Spirit is going to take us behind that curtain. That this curtain that, that blocks this truth. This curtain that keeps us from the unseen world, which is more powerful, more real than the world we live in. The Holy Spirit has come to take us there. And he's going to take us into truth. And this truth is going to permeate every part of our being. He's going to teach us the truth about who we are. He's going to teach us the truth about our identities in Christ. He came to me and he taught me the truth about June Evans, who I am, what I'm called to do, what he intends for me, the truth. Now, we live in a world today where there is a conflict between the truth and the lie. And I want you to be aware of this. There's a great spiritual warfare going on, and there is the truth which is being opposed by the lie. And the culture is teaching the lie. The culture is permeated with the lie, and there is a spiritual warfare going on between these two, the truth and the lie. It will ultimately culminate in the Antichrist, and the world will believe a human man is God. That's where it's headed. And there's a great spiritual warfare going on. Now, in our culture, we have this phrase, my truth. You listen to media and celebrities talk about my truth. And, uh, you know, the Me Too movement, when women were sexually uh, harassed and misused by men, adopted that phrase, my truth. And the Me Too movement encouraged women 
to tell my truth. And so you listen to movie stars, and they talk about this is my truth. And what my truth means, this is my perspective. This is what has happened to me. This is the way I'm dealing with life. This is my truth. So you go out there in the world, and everybody's got their truth. But dear people, my truth is not the same as the truth. See, God is going to take us to the truth because my truth is not necessarily the truth. And what God wants to do for each one of us is to take my truth and change it, redeem it, and heal it so that my truth becomes his truth. And this is so important to God that he has three avenues to bring the truth into our lives. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. And the truth will take you to life. Uh, the Bible, the Word of God, is the truth. And the Holy Spirit comes, and he is the, the spirit of truth. And when the Holy Spirit comes, and we begin to live in the truth, the Bible says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you need to be free, you need to know the truth. The truth will sanctify you, set you apart. The truth will keep you from evil. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if you don't want to know the truth, you don't want to know the Holy Spirit because <laughs> he'll show you what you really are and require you to change. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth coming from the Holy Spirit. Now, this, this brings us to uh, this, this issue that faces every one of us. And it's a common question that is asked. It's on your notes. How can we be sure that we're hearing and following the Holy Spirit? Now, all of us like to be sure there's not a person in the room that doesn't want to be sure. But God has not called us to walk a road called being sure. God has called us to walk by faith. And there's no way that we can really take faith and say being sure is the same as faith. So it's going to take faith because this is the way that God has chosen. This is the avenue that God has chosen. Now, to know that we hear and follow the Holy Spirit, we have to understand the Holy Spirit has a voice. In the King James Bible, I like the way the King James Bible says it, in Genesis 3, verse 8, we're not going to read it, but after Adam and Eve had sinned, the King James Bible said the presence of the Lord was a voice walking in the Garden of Eden. And I like that description, a voice walking. I think there's no better description of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life than, than to say he wants to be the voice which, which is walking. The Holy Spirit has a voice. The Holy Spirit... Uh, when he was first introduced to us in the book of Acts, was spoken of as the sound from heaven. 
It was the first introduction of him. He came as the sound from heaven. The second one was the wind. It's an invisible wind, but it makes a sound. An invisible person who has a voice, who, who makes a sound. And through the years, I, I have learned the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I can't teach you how to know that voice outside of relationship. Because this is where faith uh, is, is joined to knowledge. It's relationship. Now, would you not think there's something wrong with me if I came to church tonight? And I said, well, today I heard a voice. I don't know if it was Gene, my husband. I think it was. I'm not sure. It sounded like him, but I don't know. He doesn't normally speak to me at this time of day, and I'd like you to tell me, was that Jean? And you would say, she's been married to him for 63 years. <laughs> doesn't she know his voice? Of course I know his voice. On our second date, he had to say, June, this is Gene Evans. We didn't have cell phones that told you he was talking. But even if his cell phone didn't tell me it was him, I know his voice because I have relationship. Years ago, before we had cell phones, we just had landlines, there were robocalls, these calls, and people would call you and just one after another trying to sell you something. And you'd have to answer the phone because we didn't have phone ID back then. And you know how to answer the phone, and they want to sell me this and sell me that. And it, was just, it was just irritating. So one day the phone rings, and I pick it up, and here's this guy on the other end, and he goes into this long spill, and I really wanted to slam the phone down, but I thought, well, I'm here. I'm just going to listen to him. So I'm holding the phone, and he goes on and on and on. And finally I said, well, I really do appreciate that you call me. I was very Southern, very nice. And I said, but I really am not interested in what you have to sell. And then he tried again. I said, well, it's kind of you to care about me, but I'm not interested in what you're selling. So I think we just need to end this conversation. He said, okay. And then he said, are you June Evans? And I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, you don't know me, but he said, somebody gave me your CDs, and I listen to you every day, and I would know that voice anywhere. <laughs> I was so glad I didn't slam the phone. <laughs> I would know that voice anywhere. How did he know my voice? He heard it every day. I would know that voice anywhere. That's relationship. Re relationship. So I want to just close by talking about the sounds of the Holy Spirit in my life. The way I've heard the Holy Spirit. The way the Holy Spirit talks to me. And uh, they're very simple ways. But nevertheless, this is the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. The first one is the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 
verse 16 and 17, says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine. That means what to believe. It is profitable for reproof. That means it tells you what's wrong. It's profitable for correction, how to right the wrong, and for instruction in righteousness. Now, this Bible, and I know today the Bible's, you know, not the way it was in my youth, but I'm still very connected to the book because the Bible I have is over 12 years old. And, and this Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible uh, tells us that uh, it was the inspiration of God that moved upon men, and they wrote inspired by God. And after they wrote, the Holy Spirit breathed into it. That's what inspiration means. It's God-breathed. The words look just like words in the newspaper, but those words are different. They're God-breathed. So there's life in there. You can be healed by the word because there's life in there. God breathed into this. So we, we've got the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's his book. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, we don't know what to believe until we read the Bible. We can't decide what we're going to believe. We just can't go around and say, well, I think I believe this, and I think I believe that. The Bible tells us what to believe. The Bible tells us what is wrong. The Bible tells us how to correct the wrong, and the Bible tells us how to live it out. Our problem in our culture today is I've done away with the Bible. So we have all of this chaos in our culture. People don't even know what they believe anymore. Now, if you want to hear the Holy Spirit, the best way to hear the Holy Spirit is to read his book. Read his book. He's written a book. Read his book. Because this is the way you know people. You read their book. In my opinion, I think it is wrong to expect the Holy Spirit to give you direction, information, correction and all of these things when you don't read his book because he's given you the book and if all you have of the Holy Spirit is the book I can tell you this the book will take you to the end if you will hang on to the book read it and obey it the major Bible the major voice of the Holy Spirit is the Bible it was said of General Patton a general in World War II that he knew how to fight Rommel, the Nazi general, because he read Rommel's book. And he was able to fight him because he knew the man's tactics. Read the Holy Spirit's book. The second way the voice has come to me, the sound of the Holy Spirit, is through preaching. Now, I, I want us to be very aware of what happens with preaching. Romans 10 I'm going to read 14 and 15 and then verse 17. It says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So then faith comes by hearing, hearing the preacher, 
and hearing by the word of God. Now let us be very sure the Holy Spirit is committed to the church. The Holy Spirit is not mad at the church. The Holy Spirit has not abandoned the church. We may leave the church, but until Jesus returns, the Holy Spirit is in the church. This is his building, his temple, his habitation. He's at work building the church. And God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to, to impact our lives. So that when we come to church, <clears throat> we're not here just to hear a good message and sing some good songs and meet some friends and then come back the next Sunday. We are here because God, when God's at work, has put someone behind this pulpit who has been sent to us to preach to us. And the Bible says that if we will go and hear preaching, faith will come. So you know this about Jean and me. Every Sunday morning, we're in those two chairs. If we're not there, we're out of town. On Wednesday night, we're in these two chairs. I don't know why we move around, but <laughs> we do. And you just know we're going to be there. Now, I'm not there because Mark's my son. I'm not there because uh, I think, well, if I don't go to church, Mark's mother, you know, they'll wonder where Mark's mother is. I go to church because I want to have faith. And I believe God has put Mark here. And when Mark begins to preach, he doesn't preach to me as my son. He's the preacher sent to give me faith. And before I, you know, was a pastor's wife and helped Jean pastor, we were church members in Alabama, and Brother Arnold is still our pastor of record. Brother Arnold's been with us for 68 years as a pastor. He still lives in Alabama. And we would go to every service Brother Arnold had. And sometimes I'd just get real kind of irritated, and I'd say to Jean, well, every Sunday he preaches on faith, Sunday night, we had Sunday night services, preaches on giving, and then on Wednesday night, he preaches on healing. Then the next Sunday, he preaches on healing Sunday morning, preaches on giving Sunday night, preaches on faith Wednesday night. And then the next Sunday, we go back, and on Sunday morning, he preaches on healing, preaches on faith on Sunday night, preaches on giving on Wednesday night. I said, sometimes I just get tired of hearing those messages. But that's 68, that's 53 years ago. And guess what I'm good at today? Faith, healing, giving. I know how to have faith. I know how to be healed. I know about giving. I'm a giver. Because somebody stood in the pulpit and preached to me. And faith came. The good news is when we finish tonight, you'll be full of faith because I'm preaching to you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The third one is the prophetic, the prophetic. 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went on before thee, that by them you might war a good warfare. Now God has gifts of the Spirit, and these gifts of the Spirit are operated through the Holy Spirit. And there's one 
common gift that every one of us need, and it is the prophecy, the prophetic, because it encourages us. It builds us up. It, it uh, strengthens us. And we need to be among people who are prophetic, people who can prophesy. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit I can operate in. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit that has been mighty in my life, the Holy Spirit using people to prophesy to me. There was a time I wanted to quit the ministry, and I decided I would quit. And I told Jean, I said, I'm going to quit the ministry for about two years. I wasn't going to drop out of church. I was just going to quit doing this. And I told the Holy Spirit going to a meeting. I said, I'm going to do this meeting, then I'm taking a two-year sabbatical. And you get somebody else to do the preaching. You don't need me. I'm not the cog that turns the wheel of the kingdom of God. There are plenty of other women. Use them. This will be my last meeting for two years. And I said that to God. I was ready to quit. I was discouraged, beaten down. And I get to the meeting, and a woman I have never met before, a woman by the name of Martha Birmingham, we prayed together before I was going to speak, and she turned to me as I was leaving the prayer room. She said, Sister June, the Lord has a word for you. And I still see myself standing in the door. We were in a broom closet. That's where we prayed, of that broom closet. And I'm looking at her this way, holding my book, my Bible. And here's the way she started. Sister June, the Lord wants to know, why are you thinking about quitting the ministry? And I thought, oh, God, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. And I wasn't encouraged at all. <laughs> you know, I'm not don't go there. The Lord wants to know why you said you're not the cog that turns the wheel. Of the, she, everything I said in the car, that woman repeated back to me. But listen to me, women, men. It was a time of warfare. And thank God for Martha Birmingham that moved in the gifts of the Spirit and kept me going. Thank God for a woman who heard from God on my behalf. The prophetic, the prophetic, very, very powerful. The fourth one are dreams and visions. Listen to Acts 2.17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now dreams and visions are when God wants to take us beyond the normal. You know, God wants to show us God wants to go beyond the normal. I'm not really given to dreams and visions. I'm not really dreams at all. Jean is. Uh, but, you know, I've had maybe uh, one vision or so. It's just not something I really operate in. But I do know that dreams can come at pivotal times. Visions can come at pivotal times. Jean has had visions. That, that have changed our lives. Jean has had dreams that has put us on track with God. And I want to say to you men, if you're young, you can see visions. You old men need to dream some dreams. That's God promised you that. 
that young men will say visions, old men will say dreams. And I guess we girls are included in that too. And this is powerful. It's the way that God talks to us. Number five, God directs our steps. God helps us in decision making through the Holy Spirit. Acts 16, verse 6 and 7, concerns the Apostle Paul. It says, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and through the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit, notice that, to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed, tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit would not let them. So here's the Holy Spirit saying no. Who would ever think the Holy Spirit would tell preachers not to preach? If you know the story, Paul's two, two years too early. He's in the area where the church of Ephesus is going to be started, but he's two years too early. He'll go back two years later and do it. And the Holy Spirit is directing his steps. The Holy Spirit is saying no. The Holy Spirit is closing doors because it was divine direction. The Holy Spirit leading them where they needed to go. The Bible said they finally came to this place called Troas. And did you know it is in Troas that the Apostle Paul met Luke, the Luke who wrote the gospel, the Luke who wrote the, the book of Acts, and it's there that Paul picks him up. He meets him there. And, and God was directing Paul with all of these no's to meet this guy that's going to write a book in the Bible. And from that point on, everything in Luke up until Acts 16 talks about they, they. But from Acts 16 on, the pronoun changes to we because Luke joined the team. And God wanted him to be an eyewitness. You never know what door God closed to keep you from stupid. We need help to keep from doing stupid. If I'd have had my way, I wouldn't be married to Jean today because I wanted to be in a sorority and they wouldn't invite me to join. And I was learning to smoke cigarettes and blowing smoke out my nose trying to impress them. And God was closing that door because if I had joined the sorority, I wouldn't be married to Jean. And I know they were sitting in heaven saying that stupid woman blowing smoke out of her nose trying to get out of the will of God. The guidance of the Holy Spirit. Dear people, the Holy Spirit will direct your steps. Then the sixth way is promptings of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit will bear witness. Now the Holy Spirit doesn't have to come and prophesy right on your blackboards. The Holy Spirit can give you what I call divine urgings, just promptings. They were uh, having problems with the early church of what to do with Gentiles who had been born again. Were they going to make them Jews and have them observe Jewish customs? So they had this big council meeting. And do you know how they came to a decision about us Gentiles? Uh, James, who was in charge of the whole meeting, in the book of Acts 15, he says, uh, my, my sentence is that we shouldn't trouble these Gentiles. 
That word sentence means my opinion. And uh, then, formerly known in the rest of the scriptures, Acts says, it seemed good to us. And this witness of the Holy Spirit where things just kind of seem good. You don't have to have God ring a bell, send an angel. It just seems good. That's how the senior adult B group started. I was in church one Sunday morning sitting over here, and during meet and greet, I looked around at all the older people in our congregation. And I said to Gene, we need to get these older people together. They're scattered all over the congregation. And I said to Mark, I said, I, Gene and I want to get the older people together. And that's how Senior Big Group started. God didn't write it. It just seemed good. Sometimes it just seems good. You need to go help with the children. Sometimes it seems good. You need to help with the food ministry. Sometimes it seems good. See, just this witness of the Holy Spirit that things should happen. Now, the last one is probably the most important. I wish we could stay here a while, but we can't. Galatians 5.16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is the daily walk, walking after the Holy Spirit. Now, we make flesh this big thing. Just, just, just go out in the world. Flesh is this big thing. It's this big thing in the church world. And we come together and we talk about flesh. My flesh was high temper. Uh, your flesh is your flesh. And we make flesh powerful. We make flesh this hard thing. It's easy to be done with the flesh. You just have to follow the Holy Spirit. Is that not what the Bible said? Walk after the Holy Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you have to learn every day to live in tune, in step with the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to hear his voice so that it is familiar to you as the people you, you live with. So one last thing I want to say, and then we'll pray. If, if there's anything that I feel about my testimony with the Holy Spirit is intimacy, closeness, knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. I say to the Holy Spirit every day, what are you hearing that I need to hear? Because he said he would do that. He said, there are things I hear and I will tell them to you. And I say every day to the Holy Spirit, what are you hearing that I need to hear? When I prepared for this uh, lesson, I said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about you, so what do you want to say about yourself? Intimacy, conversations you have with the Holy Spirit, uh, making the Holy Spirit real and, and a person. One last scripture, Psalm 32, 8. The psalmist said, I will instruct thee in the way that you shall go. I will guide thee with my eye. Notice that. God said, I'll guide you with my eye. I read that one day, and I knew what that meant. It meant if the Holy Spirit frowns, I want to know it. That the Holy Spirit doesn't have to write in red letters. That if I'm taking a wrong step, the Holy Spirit frowns. 
the Holy Spirit tightens up. I'll know that. He can guide me with his eye. Do you know I can guide Gene with my eye? Have you wives ever given him the eye? <laughs> you give him the look and he obeys. <laughs> he can guide me with his eye, giving me the look. If that's true with a husband and wife, how much more with the Holy Spirit? So raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you tonight. That the Holy Spirit will be a voice walking with you. If you're in a situation, you need something from the Holy Spirit, just stand up where you are, and I'm going to pray it will come to you. Guidance, prophecy, whatever. You just need something from the Holy Spirit. You know what it is. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're here. Holy Spirit, we stand before you. We raise our hands and we honor you tonight. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make yourself real to us. Communicate with us. Talk to us. Lead us. Guide us. Direct us. Holy Spirit, we repent of our sins. We repent of our flesh. We repent that we have held you so lightly. And these are your people, Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would come to them as a voice, that you would sound in their lives, that you would cause supernatural things to happen so that these who are standing with their hands raised will hear the Holy Spirit, will know the Holy Spirit, and will understand the workings of the Holy Spirit. Deepen our relationship so, Lord, you can guide us with your eye. We don't even need your voice. You can just guide us with your eye. Oh, we thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, thank the Holy Spirit for that. Thank him for it. Thank him that he's come to live in you. Thank him that he is the third person of the Godhead, and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.